Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back to Beyond the Tools, the podcast dedicated to helping contractors grow faster by getting more leads, converting more sales, and finally getting off the tools. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with Greg Huzzy, president of Carwood. Greg branched off of the family business to start his own contracting company in 1999. Now, he runs the very well-established building and development company, Carwood, where they've expanded their operations to a second market in the last couple of years. So this interview really focuses on that, and Greg shares with us the details of expanding into another geographic area, the decision-making that went on behind that, the challenges, lessons learned, and ultimately the huge success that it has been for Carwood to take on a new market. If you've ever thought about picking up and moving or expanding your business into a totally new market, then you definitely want to listen to this episode because it's amazing to see how Carwood was able to do this, how Greg and his team approached this decision, and all of the things that came out of that. And now they're at a point that they have 45 employees, they're growing daily, and they're operating in a cool market as well as a hot market, which has presented all kinds of incredible advantages for them. All right, let's go on over to Greg. Today on the show, we have Greg Huzzy, president of Carwood. Welcome to the show, Greg. Hey, glad to be here. So, Greg, I know that you guys have really seen some interesting growth in the last few years, and we're going to get into how you expanded. But why don't you tell us a little bit about Carwood, what you guys do, and where you are today? Hey, we're a design builder. Started in Newfoundland back in the 90s. And a couple of years ago, I had this crazy idea that maybe we should go somewhere else. And we expanded into, uh, we looked at a bunch of different places, but we ended up going to southwestern Ontario, around the London area. So we have offices now in Dorchester and in St. John's. Wow. Amazing. And for you guys as well, you do residential, commercial. What does the business look like from a holistic perspective? Uh, a bit of a mix, actually. We do... Um, single-family homes, townhomes, stack towns, and we do mid-rise buildings on the residential side. And we also do uh, some smaller commercial work, so tenant fit-ups, some office buildings, those type of things. A bit of a mix. Okay, excellent. So I know you guys, you started in 1999, obviously have built a very successful business in that time. 
I guess, what preempted the move into a new geographic market? What was going on in the business that you were like, all right, time to go? Well, some people just say I was crazy, but really businesses do one of two things. They either grow or shrink. And we were coming into a time in Newfoundland where the future was a lot of contraction in the economy. So in order for us not to shrink, we had to find a new market. So we uh, we decided then that, all right, we don't need to stay within our borders. It's a big country. It's actually a, it's a big planet because we actually did look at some areas in the States too when we were looking to expand. So. Wow. So what made you choose Ontario in particular? I actually started the process in, um, in Chris's office with CMHC. I sat down and I said, show me this nice portal you have here of how all this data works for Canada. And what areas are good, what areas are bad, how you read the data and understand it. And that sort of started a three to four year process of looking at different markets from, you know, already close to an airport. How many time zones away is it? What's the market like? Because we wanted to pick areas that were in a growth situation. St. John's is a relatively small, it's a city, but it's a small town, really. So we wanted areas that weren't Toronto or Montreal or Vancouver, which were really big cities. We wanted areas that were going to function pretty much like we're used to. And then um, narrowed down to a few places. And um, a builder that I've known for years from St. Thomas had a, uh, had a volunteer group going to Puerto Rico to put some houses together. And after a full week of 40-degree heat and repairing some houses that were damaged by a hurricane, he had uh, an opportunity here for another builder to come into one of his subdivisions. And he had some help on his part three stuff. And here we are. Amazing. So, and when was it that you guys officially like started in Ontario? We came here about three to four years ago. The first year was not a whole lot of activity. It was more scouting out areas, trying to get established with our supply chains and our land supply and whatnot. So we started building about two and a half years ago. Excellent. Okay. And I imagine having, you know, some boots on the ground in terms of this other person that you knew in the area, I imagine that made the transition a lot easier in some ways. Well, this never would have happened had I not done the thousands of hours of volunteer work with CHBA over the years. So it, we started in, um, when I was still with my father's company back in 95 as a member of the National Association. So I met people right across the country. So when I started to look to places, I had lots of friends in lots of areas that showed me around, showed me what they had, what was in their area. The, uh, the help was very gracious and everyone was super interested in showing us, showing us what their area looked like and what was available. And most of the, those people had been to Newfoundland at various conferences and whatnot and seen what we were doing. So without that, this never would have happened. Crazy. Okay. So you choose Ontario. You're like, this is a place for us. What went into actually getting set up to operate in that market? I'm an engineer, so planning is one of the things. So you try to plan for every type of contingency. The one I missed was a global pandemic. Didn't, didn't have that one on the list. <laughs> no, shocking. <laughs> yeah. So basically, when we opened up our second subdivision for sales, was the day the lockdown started. So we were just really ramping up into uh, some serious volume here and you couldn't travel anymore. And I had this geared up. So we were bringing people back and forth from Newfoundland or senior team and whatnot. All of a sudden that all ends. So didn't really plan on that. But the other, uh, the other thing is you don't realize 
how many things do you do that are just in your head? And you just know what the inspectors are looking for or what the municipalities require or if this happens, this is who you call. When you go into a new area, none of that's the case. And then you hire a whole new team. And when you're in your existing area and you bring new people on, they supplement who you already have. When you go to a new area, everybody's new. So we're very process-oriented anyway, and we thought we had everything well-documented. We didn't have it documented the way we should have. So uh, that was one of the, the valuable lessons learned is you really do need to document your day from when you tie up your work boots in the, in the morning to the last piece of accounting going out. Everything has to be well-documented. Here's what your procedures are. Here's what you do. So when new people come in, you can lay it out in front of them and say, this is how we work. Now, do that in the middle of a pandemic is even more challenging. <laughs> so like, what's an example of something that you've realized, oh, we don't have a good process or procedure for this? Well, even things we did have a good procedure for, like our, uh, our QA process has been, been extremely strong all along and it was documented. So we have the list of all the things that we check and it was based on a spreadsheet when we first started. So it was all listed off and tick off what it is and how you notify people. So that seems like it's ironclad, except for it doesn't actually say what all those lines mean in a different language. And it could be even a, a very different language. Like one of the things in Newfoundland is everyone speaks English. That in Ontario, half our trades are, they struggle with English. So how do we document how you actually do a quality control procedure? So they followed the list, they checked it all off, but are they actually assuming the same thing that you assumed in your home market? Mm. So the level of detail that we had to have, it's like we, we thought we had it documented, but the level of detail you have to have is vastly different from what we first expected. Yeah, I bet. So with your processes and procedures, like how does your team action those? Are we talking like paper checklists? Do you guys have like software that you used? No, we don't we don't use any paper. Everything we have is digital. And luckily we had that for almost 10 years. So one of the things that really allowed us to work remotely was the fact that we didn't use paper. And when COVID came in and suddenly everyone went to a, a virtual environment, we actually brought everyone together in our St. John's office. It was an afternoon and it was like two or three o'clock in that afternoon. We said, well, you know, we should really close our office down here and see what happens. That was before any lockdown started. Nine o'clock the next morning, we were fully operational. So it really didn't affect us in that that regards. So we have uh, we've been using like an online uh, project management tool for years now. So all our uh, all our selections are in there. Our drawings are in there. Our QA procedures there. So it's all online. Even instructions we give to our laborer. That's all in a to do list right off our online system. So everything is documented and recorded. Cool. So it sounds like you had a pretty well-oiled machine kind of going in to the new market. And then you realized, you know, there's a bit of a learning curve there in terms of pieces that were missing. Were there any other kind of major lessons or things that you didn't plan for? Well, things we knew, we just really ramped up how important they were. People are a big part. So one of the things with uh, with builders, we tend to hire pretty quickly. You need to take your time and make sure you actually have the right hires. That's so important. You're, as the company gets bigger, especially you 
got less touch points with everyone you hire. So you really got to make sure that not only are you getting people with the skills, but they got to buy into your philosophy, whatever that is. And and if they don't, no matter how good they are, it's just not going to work for you. So how do you check for that? How do you make sure that they're following the same philosophy? A lot more of a rigorous process than we ever did. We changed up some of the questions we asked in our interviewing process. It used to be, you know, one interview and you hire them. We're probably up to four or five interviews now before someone gets hired. We do background checks. We do extensive reference checks. We do any kind of online presence uh, checks. We try to find the people that they didn't put on as their reference. And you go back through their history of where they work and look for holes and find out who's in the hole and why they left places. We also have, um, I call it a personality uh, exam that everyone does, but it's a it's basically a, chest, a test to see sort of where you fit in the uh, in a bunch of different categories and how you relate to other people. And we have a mix, and you do have to have a mix in all companies, but you just need to know what, what they're about. And some of our questions in the interviews, they try to get out what your general procedure is in doing things. Like, like one of the ones I asked any of our uh, site coordinators is your day before closing, you go into a house and you find a wall that's not level. What do you do? What's the right answer? Most people fail that one. I guess there's no right answer. Everyone treats that differently. But from our perspective, is you tear it apart and put it back the way it's supposed to be, no matter how long it takes you. Because there's always going to be something that's going to come back and bite you in the butt if you don't. Most people, we've had all kinds of answers where, well, if it's there and it's not really noticeable, we'd let it go. Or if the customer's okay with it, we'd let it go. And yeah, no. So finding people in the right philosophy on that, like we've hired a few people along the way that didn't get that answer quite along the lines of our philosophy. They didn't last very long. It was always a bit of a friction. Like, no, like stop trying to have new stuff. It's way faster. You'll spend more time thinking about like how not to fix it than just there's only a wood house. Take it apart and fix it. Love that. So when it comes to the hiring part of things, like, did you hire an entirely new team or do you have some of the people in like your St. John's head office that work as well with Ontario? Like, how does that work? So we're, we're trying, Newfoundland is still going through some pretty hard times. So I'm still trying to hire as many people from, from Newfoundland as I can. Until recently, 100% of our design office was in Newfoundland. Now it's a about half and half. Uh, our accounting staff is all in, in Newfoundland. Our senior team is is in Newfoundland. We do have some that travel back and forth. We have a uh, awesome framing crew that comes back and forth, and they can, as a Newfoundland say, they can put an arse in a uh, in a cat. So they can do anything. And they're uh, a really young crew that has maturity of people that are twice their age, which is awesome. We have our design center coordinator that uh, comes back and forth. We have some of our uh, technical people on our uh, commercial side that, that come to do inspections here. And our senior team is back and forth a little bit. Um, we do have that. But apart from that, the Ontario hires are from Ontario. We probably would have had a bit more back and forth if it wasn't for the travel restrictions. Until recently, flying home and having to isolate for two weeks, I mean, that's a non-starter. I mean, that, just, that just doesn't work for what we're trying to do. Yeah, that makes sense. And with your team, was there any resistance to opening up in a new market? Or was how did you make that change? I would say most people thought I was nuts. <laughs> 
uh, it, it's turned out to be a pretty good thing. Most people look at this now as a, uh, as a great opportunity. And uh, the idea is not to actually be geographically centered anywhere. One of the things I've learned in all my years with the Canadian Homeowners Association, no matter how bad the economy is, there's some place doing okay. So we want to be mobile enough that we can just go there wherever that happens to be. And so learn some valuable lessons on this move to be able to repeat it to other areas. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, good. Congrats. Apparently, it's not done very often. When I first told my uh, bank that we were going to uh, move to a new area, we deal with a bunch of banks. The common response was, builders don't do that. That's not a good idea. Yeah. Right? So that, that's not that helpful. We're starting to look at it now in a bit of a different light. And like, oh, well, maybe builders can do that. Not such a bad idea. Have you had any builders approach you and say, hey, like, I'm thinking about doing something similar? Not that they're thinking about doing something similar, but very curious of how it's working. And if your whole business is just you and it's all in your head and you're not very procedures driven, don't try it. If you are very procedures driven and you've got a bit of depth to your team that um, you got more than just you to rely on and you're really, uh, really secure in the people that you have, it's not actually that difficult if you put your mind to it. Yeah. Okay. So what were the results of expanding to Ontario? have a whole lot more people on our uh, payroll now than what we did before we started this, and it's expanding daily. We're probably three to four times the size in Ontario right now than we are in Newfoundland. That will probably be 10 times the size by the end of the next year. And that's not that we're trying to move out of Newfoundland, it's just the market is so so different. You know, we went from the coolest market in the uh, in the country to the hottest market in the country. I'm not sure if that was real skill that I picked the right spot or a complete fluke, but I'll take it no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think you learned from operating in Newfoundland that allowed you to have that success in Ontario? That, it's actually a huge advantage to be in two markets. And surprisingly enough, it's a huge advantage to be in a hot one and a cold one because we're actually able to take lessons learned from each and bring to the other. And we're able to um, to draw resources from our cold market. We have an engineering firm. We have our own internal engineering firm that does some work for us, but we do external engineering as well. So we recently had an engineering firm from Newfoundland basically follow us to Ontario. So they came up and now they're going to start doing some work for us up here. The engineers locally are extremely busy. We can't get anyone. Things take forever. The, the team in Newfoundland, was, well, we got lots of extra capacity. We got lots of skill. We worked together before. Everything was actually someone that was in my engineering class. They recently came up for a visit here. We got the, the first project signed up with them already and a couple more ready to go. So we're, uh, we're able to take resources that no one from this area in Ontario would even think of going all the way to Newfoundland to find, find resources. Our, um, our trust manufacturer in Ontario went from a four-week delivery to an 18-week delivery overnight. So we started with a 50-kilometer radius, 100, 500. We ended up finding a trust supplier just outside of Clarenville that were buying trusses in Ontario from Clarenville. We shipped cabinets from Newfoundland. We have some of our closet organizer systems are shipping out of Newfoundland. And it was this framing crew that I mentioned earlier. So we're able to find find areas of the country so now we're looking at, you know, okay, I work in Newfoundland because things are not going so well. So now we're looking at other areas of the country that aren't doing so well for supplies and resources. So no one else is thinking of that. So by working in two markets, a bad one and a good one, this can work. So why not try it? That's incredible. Uh, it's a, uh, 
That's been a wild journey. I bet. <laughs> so if you were to go into a new market tomorrow, is there anything you would do differently than what you did when you expanded to Ontario? Senior team manager, we would actually hire before we went in and make sure they're they're trained up in what Harwood's all about before we move into the market. That was a that, that was a little rough here, not not having that. A bunch of work got left to me. And when you're doing an expansion, you actually need your operational stuff not to be you as well. So we're already planning where our next move is and how we go about it. So Awesome. So what's it like for you personally to run a company in two different markets? It has its days. <laughs> you really got to be able to, uh, to put a different hat on when you're looking at both markets because they're so vastly different in, uh, in how they operate. And you really got to trust the people you have, and you got to be able to delegate. There's just no possible way of being hands-on with 40 to 50 staff in two different areas, and even the areas we're in. We're dealing in three different municipalities, four different municipalities in Ontario, and they're an hour apart. So you can't even just pop out and go look at the house. And those have these moments. Yeah. The, it wouldn't have been as bad without the COVID travel restrictions. Mm-hmm. I was doing more traveling than anyone because I, I didn't really want to be responsible for making someone get on a plane in the middle of COVID when I didn't have to. I don't mind. If i got to go myself, that's one thing. But I'd have to thread the needle. I was buying plane tickets hours before a flight based on what the cases were in Ontario, what they were in Newfoundland, what the rules were, what the testing was going to be. So I was threading the needle all the time of when I could go home, when I couldn't. A couple of times, I was on a plane half full going to Newfoundland with a bunch of construction workers on who were allowed to get off the plane and go directly to their job site and work. But because I was from Newfoundland and I was going to Newfoundland to go go on a job site and work, because of the rules, I had to isolate for two weeks. But everybody else on the plane with me went right to work. Wild. So there was some crazy rules we were having to deal with and it had some challenges. Yeah, I bet. Sounds stressful. Yeah, stress means different things these days than a lot of geese do. Yeah, fair enough. I say I always just look at the bright side. There's a uh, every challenge out there is an opportunity. So just find the opportunity in the challenge. Love that. So, Greg, I know that you've always been extremely forward thinking, and at Carwood, you're always doing very innovative things. What are you most excited about right now when it comes to Carwood and the industry as a whole? There's so many things we're looking at now. It's hard to pick one. The, um, the mid-rise buildings we're doing, we're one of uh, six builders across the country that's in a pilot project for building energy-efficient mid-rise buildings to test out different technologies to see how they're going to write the new codes for these buildings. We're trying to build uh, houses and apartment buildings that are zero carbon. And by zero carbon, that's zero carbon building it, zero carbon, like the things you use to construct it, and then zero carbon to operate. Uh, we're looking at a bunch of technologies in construction. So even looking as far as some AI in construction. So how do we have machine learning to do even on-site stuff? There's a labor shortage in the country is so tight. We're not going to have the people we need to actually build the houses that take everyone. About 20 minutes from uh, from where I'm sitting there now, there's a new Amazon uh, warehouse going up. The vacancy rate in this area is less than 1%. The new houses are sold out for two years. And if you try to buy an existing house, you're bidding with 
30 to 40 people. So they've got to get staff to work in this place. They've got to go somewhere. So we've got to learn how to build a lot faster with a lot less resources than we're doing now. So we've got to do things differently. And unless we start, we're going to be in a, in a world of trouble. Makes sense. So that's just a couple of things. Yeah. Oh, well, very exciting. I know that you guys are always doing things in my view, it seems like a lot quicker than the industry. So I'm very excited to see how that rolls out for you. Yeah, it's exciting times. Awesome. So Greg, I guess any last thoughts or words of wisdom for other contracting companies that are thinking about expanding their business in a new geographic market? Do your research and you do have to be very process oriented. <laughs> if you don't have those two things, then, um, then expansion is going to be tough. Yeah. Wise advice. <laughs> and don't do it in a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> try, try to avoid that and maybe wait a little while longer. <laughs> Hopefully we'll be out of this one soon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Greg, I think this has been fantastic and absolutely value-packed for anybody listening here. I'm sure that our listeners are going to want to learn more about you. So where can they find Greg Huzzy and find out more about Carwood? Uh, the best place is at our website, carwood.com. One of the things that uh, you and I have worked together on before and we're just about to do a little upgrade on, but uh, it's still the best way to get hold of us. There's an info at carwood.com that you can, um, you can send an email to if you're looking for any information. Okay, excellent. Thanks so much for being on this show. We're always looking for talented people. So if you're wanting to send your resume in, back can go there too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, Greg. Really appreciate you being on the show. No problem. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond the Tools. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love if you could also share this episode with a fellow contractor who is ready to get off the tools and grow their business. And if you want more leads, sign up for our email list at reflectivemarketing.com, where we share weekly marketing insights that you can't get anywhere else. I'm Crystal Hobbs, and I hope you'll join me on the next episode of Beyond the Tools. See you next time.